It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. And good Wednesday morning, everyone. It is the 13th day of July. And uh, Fred back with you again, sitting in for Sandy. And uh, our hope is that Sandy will be back in the chair next Monday. She's doing really well with her recovery from uh, surgery. And, uh, and uh, we're, we'll be glad to have her back. But this morning, I would like to start off the program with the latest example of utter and total left-wing lunacy brought to you by the Democratic Party. The scene yesterday... Senate hearing run by the Democrats. There's Democrats still upset about the Roe v. Wade decision. So it's a hearing, basically, you know, we have to ensure, as they call it, reproductive health for women. One of the um, guests brought in by the Democratic Party was a law professor from Berkeley University. Her name is Kiera Bridges. And during the course of her testimony as a witness at this hearing, she was questioned by uh, Republican Missouri Senator Josh Hawley, who started off his question with a, a really, really basic question. I want you to listen to the exchange. I want to visit with you, Ms. Maskey, but before I do, I just want to clear one thing up. Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, There are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. We can recognize that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. So your view is is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important because of my line of questioning. So we can't talk about it because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist. I'm denying that trans people exist by asking you you if you're talking about women having pregnancies. Do you believe that uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think (laughs) so. You are denying that trans people exist, and that leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you, or are they also treated like this? No, no, no. They're they're told that they're opening up people to violence. We have a good time in my class. You should join. I bet you might learn a lot. Wow, I I would learn a lot. I've learned a lot. I know. Absolutely extraordinary. So there you have it. 
did you did you have a listen to what she had to say? Now I question whether not she very bright person whether she really believes it, or is the narrative so important that she felt comfortable saying this at a public hearing in the U.S. Senate of the United States. She's saying that trans men, come on, there is no such thing. A man cannot get pregnant, and just because you call him a trans man, men cannot get pregnant. Why cannot she just say that? You know, you can put United Airlines on the side of a car, but that doesn't make it an airplane. Plain and simple. She's a professor at Berkeley Law School. She was brought there as a witness by the Democratic Party. And they didn't even blink at what this woman had to say. Absolute insanity. She's getting up before kids in a class. This is where she is. This is where academia in America is going, folks. Anyway, Josh Hawley was on with Hannity last night to talk a little bit more about his reaction to all of this. Cut three. Here is the modern Democrat Party today, Sean. It is that you have to say that men can get pregnant, and if you don't say it, then you are a bigot and you are responsible for violence. I mean, that is the party line. Let's not forget who invited this witness. She was there as a Democrat witness. You didn't see a single Democrat disagree with that. In fact, they're all over social media applauding her and saying, oh, that's exactly right. It's not exactly right. It's exactly crazy, which is why voters are running screaming away from the Democrat party. This is craziness. And I tell you, Sean, they are so out of touch with America. It's just, you can't even, you can't even make this stuff up. Can't make this stuff up. But there she was, this professor, Berkeley Law School, making that statement. And because Josh Hawley questioned her, he's guilty of transphobia. And did you hear what she had to say also? That perhaps by questioning her, she is contributing to the rate of suicide by transsexuals. You see, this is the way they shut down conversation. If you challenge them, if and, and you challenge them with science, you're a hater. You're a hater. You're a phobic of some type. Also responding to this is uh, former Wisconsin Congressman Sean Duffy. He was on with Fox and Friends this morning. Cut four. I think this is about trying to sell Americans on the fact that they need to acknowledge things that are not true. Um, and we, we, they think that we can be forced into saying untrue things that every human being knows is not true because um, they say it's true. Um, and it, it's what kind of pressure can we, we know masks don't really work, but we're all forced to wear masks. We're all forced to get vaccines when people who get vaccines for COVID are actually getting COVID and we're calling it vaccines. We could call it something else, but to call it a vaccine is not true. Even Dr. Fauci acknowledged that. We're forced to say things that are untrue all the time. And I think what's been great about this country is we have the freedom of speech and the freedom of debate. And liberals and Democrats, it's not about being progressive. It's about shutting down debate because it's a really hard argument to have with someone uh, who believes that men can get pregnant because they can't win that debate because every human being knows that's not true. So instead, they don't want to debate it. What they want to do is just shut down the debate and call you um, transphobic or a hater, and that's how they get out of it. You, you uh, that's, that. why, that's why so many Americans have become silenced. Hmm. 
You know, uh, I was looking at the Associated Press this morning. It's very interesting. They didn't have this story. They didn't have this story. You wonder why. You wonder why. You know, uh, uh, Sean Duffy mentioned uh, Doc Fauci. Uh, well, let's talk about Dr. Fauci. He is back doing interviews. He's been off for a while because he's had COVID, despite the fact that he's been vaccinated and boosted. He's supposedly, remember we were told, you don't have the vaccine, you're protected? Well, not anymore. He was on with uh, Neil Cavuto on Fox yesterday. I found the uh, very, very interesting um, because he admitted that the vaccine doesn't protect overly well for infection. This is Dr. Fauci, you know, almost the the god of of COVID for the Democrats. Cut number five. One of the things that's clear from the data that even though vaccines, because of the high degree of transmissibility of this virus, don't protect overly well, as it were, against infection, they protect quite well against severe disease leading to hospitalization and death. And I believe that's the reason, Neil, why at my age, being vaccinated and boosted, even though it didn't protect me against infection, I feel confident that it made a major role in protecting me from progressing to severe disease. And that's very likely why I had a relatively mild course. So my message to people who seem confused because people who are vaccinated get infected, the answer is if you weren't vaccinated, the likelihood you would have more severe course than you did have when you were vaccinated. I think I feel the likelihood that ain't science pardon my english that ain't science that's an opinion by the way not backed up you know he went on in that interview to say that uh, there there's a new variant coming along you may have heard about it and uh, there was a story earlier this week that up to 300 people a day are dying from what what we're told are covid related uh, symptoms. And Fauci says that's too high. I agree. But here's the thing. What we're not getting in the way of data from this is how many of those 300 were vaccinated? We're just told that whole figure, 300. But how many of those died despite? Because Fauci is trying to sell the idea that if you have the vaccine, then you'll have a light go of this. But I'd like to know if somebody is honest enough out there to tell us how many of those 300, what's the percentage? Because Fauci and the others say now that over 60% of Americans who qualify for the vaccine have been vaccinated. So I want to know how many of those 300, if that is an accurate figure, are dying despite the fact of being vaccinated and perhaps boosted. Is it any wonder why, and you heard that, that clip from Dr. Fauci, Is it any wonder why more and more people are growing skeptical about all of this? And and perhaps there's not a scientific agenda behind all of this, but it's more of a political and population control. I don't know. Uh, I think Americans have the right to be questioning this. Have we got time for one more story there, Uh, Adam, our producer this morning? All right. Jill Biden. uh, Jill Biden the other day in San Antonio. Uh, referring to 
the uh, Latino community as breakfast tacos. All right, breakfast tacos. A um, lot of reaction. Now, she did apologize, so the White House put out a statement yesterday saying, you know, she's sorry she said that, offended people. But it has offended a lot of people. Uh, one of those is Alexis Martinez Johnson. She is uh, running for Republican uh, office in New Mexico. Uh, she was on with Fox and Friends this morning. Have a listen to what she had to say. Cut one. Well, you're seeing now the Democratic Party doesn't support the values uh, that I grew up with in my uh, when my grandparents were staunch Democrats. And that is for opportunity, no matter the skin color, no matter the condition that you can achieve the American dream. And I had someone here in Santa Fe where I live and they told me, well, you don't look like a Republican. And I thought, wow, mm. that's where they have come right now. And I'm glad that I'm a Republican. And, you know, if we're not crying about the situation, you know, I'm going to go out and wear my shirt. I'm not a taco. Just so that everybody will know, um, you know, we are not tacos. That's ridiculous and horrible. And so, you know, in our culture, we have to make light of things because if we're not going to cry about it, we have to laugh. And um, it, it's just it's it's horrible what they what she did. Yeah. All right. That was Alexis Martinez Johnson. She's just one of many Hispanics. Uh, in this country that are responding to what uh, Jill Biden had to say the other day. Uh, Adam and I are just sitting here in the studio listening to that comment that somebody walked up to her and said, you don't look like a Republican. Now that's, that denotes an arrogance. It's almost like, what was it, Joe Biden, when he was a candidate in 2020, he was being interviewed, I think, by a black talk show host. If, uh, if, if you don't vote Democrat, you ain't black. I think that was the exact quote that he had to say. What arrogance. But you know what? Uh, the black community in this country, Hispanic community in this country, they're getting fed up with this, with the Democratic Party. And I think it's going to be manifested uh, when we go to the polls this coming November. All right. Coming up, next segment of Sandy Rios in the Morning. A fascinating conversation I had yesterday with David Barton of Wall Builders. We talked about how Christians are or should react to these Supreme Court decisions, which have, for the most part, been very favorable. What does it mean? Going to want to have a listen to that. Coming up here on this edition of Sandy Rios in the Morning, we're back after the break. If you haven't switched to MediShare yet, two big reasons to at least consider it and why it makes so much sense right now. Number one's inflation, which is just affecting everything. And it makes sense to say, okay, where can I actually save? Well, you could save a lot in one fell swoop if you switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month. Secondly, your conscience. MediShare members aren't forced to pay for things they don't support or believe in. And that's a big deal for a lot of people right now. They want their money to actually help people. And one more reason, you can trust MediShare. It's been the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works and members love it too. It has double the customer satisfaction rating compared to health insurance. So 
Now's a great time to consider making the switch, and they're very easy to talk to. MediShare has great customer service. You can even get a price within two minutes. Here's the number. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Bible League International. Thank God your pastor wasn't attacked on Sunday, but it happened to Pastor Nepo recently while preaching in Burundi, Africa. Twenty radicals dragged him down the aisle to the front lawn where they beat him nearly to death because he's been faithfully sharing the gospel with Muslims and nearly 200 have come to Christ in his village where Christians are attacked daily. Anyone who comes to Jesus as their Lord and Savior are easily persecuted. In coastal India, Jayanth planted a church in a village with no Christians, and today, more than half of that village follows Christ, but it did not come easy. His house was burned down twice, his wife was assaulted, and many in the church have been threatened with death, but they're not praying for an end to their suffering, they're praying for Bibles to endure and persevere. We're halfway to our goal to send God's Word to 16,000 Bibleless persecuted believers, and we need to wrap up in a week, so at $5 a Bible, $100 sends 20. Will you call 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD, or give at sendbiblesnow.org. Send biblesnow.org and god bless you for caring hello americans i'm todd stern stand by for news and commentary next liberty university's k-12 online academy is the best of a homeschool private school and bible-based education all rolled into one with luoa you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make the switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. First Lady Jill Biden's in hot water. She compared Hispanic Americans the other day to breakfast tacos. Happened at a speech to Hispanics in San Antonio. She also mispronounced the word bodega. She said bodega, which is bizarre, seeing how Dr. Biden is a college professor. It ranks right up there with the time she butchered the phrase, meaning yes, we can. She sounded like Sylvester the putty cat. Or the time her husband played salsa music during a campaign stop in Miami. Cultural appropriation. The National History Hispanic Journalism Association pushed back, assured the nation they were not tacos. The First Lady apologized, and that was that. But consider how the media handled President Trump's south of the border controversy. He was photographed in Trump Tower eating a taco salad, and the Democrats nearly impeached the guy. But they gave Jill Biden a pass, even though her husband is one chalupa shy of a Taco Bell combo platter. Muy loco, America. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. And welcome back, folks. Well, we were saying just before the break, uh, conservatives, Christians are responding to some incredible U.S. Supreme Court decisions in recent weeks. Certainly Roe v. Wade uh, probably tops that list for most people. Uh, There was the case of Coach Kennedy in Bremerton, Washington. Uh, He is the praying coach, as he became known. Case before the courts for 10 years. They told him he wasn't allowed to pray at center field after a game. As I say, went through the courts for 10 years, and the Supreme Court said, yes, you can. And there's also not played up as much, but an important decision with regards to school vouchers in Maine. Uh, Maine said the uh, vouchers couldn't be used for Christian schools. Supreme Court said, oh, yes, if you're going to offer vouchers for independent schools, that has to include Christian schools as well. So 
a lot to celebrate. In my conversation yesterday with David Barton of Wall Builders, started off by asking him the question, should we uh, consider these Supreme Court decisions as perhaps the Lord opening the door to a revival in this country? So let's have a listen. I think it represents the beginning of what can be a spiritual revival if we decide to do something with it. I think what's happened is the court has not made significant changes. They've opened significant doors. And if we don't walk through those doors and take advantage of this, it will mean nothing in the nation. Right now, their decisions, and let's just give you an example. Uh, and by the way, the, these while these are great, 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 great victories, they're only the beginning of what needs to happen. And you know, let's just take Coach Kennedy's decision, that the, the case that came out of Washington where you had the Christian coach who would kneel and offer silent prayer at the end of football games, and the court said, he can definitely do that. What's going to happen is you're going to have about 10,000 coaches this fall that are going to start praying at football games, and you're going to have about 10,000 local lawsuits to start because school boards are going to say, now wait, you can't do that, and every secular group in America is going to be out there saying, you can't do that, that's not what the court said. And so even though the court has opened the door, it's going to have to be fought at every single local community. We've already seen this with the Dobbs decision. Roe v. Wade is now repealed, which means from the federal perspective, they're not going to get involved in abortion, but that doesn't end abortion. So you had 27 states that were prepared to go pro-life if Roe v. Wade ever ended, and a lot of those states had what were called trigger laws, which said if Roe v. Wade gets overturned, this will trigger our anti-abortion laws going into effect in the state. And so Texas had a trigger law, and Louisiana had a trigger law, and all these states had a trigger law. Florida and all those states have now been in court because the state judges are saying, no, wait a minute, you can't end abortion here in Florida or Texas or Louisiana or wherever. So the court said that it goes back to the states, but now the states are fighting over where they're going to end this or not. And don't think that Planned Parenthood is going to fold up their tent and go home because they lost that case. They're going to pick up their tent and move right in the middle of every state they can and start putting lots of money into state legislative races. I mean, even though the Dobbs decision came out of, of Mississippi, guarantee you Planned Parenthood is going into Mississippi to sit up and start lobbying legislators and start working the people and start running ads to convince people that you don't want this policy. So what the court did was let us walk through a door. Now, if we're not willing to take the ground, if we're not willing to engage the culture, if we're not willing to stand and fight for the rights that we have, if we're not willing to say, you know, as a coach, I don't care if they sue me or not. Here's what I'm going to do. If we don't do that, then we're not going to take the ground back. So I think that this is a great opportunity. And, and by the way, in addition to the cases you mentioned the court, this year at the Supreme Court, we won five religious liberty cases. We usually don't win five cases in 20 years at the court. We won five this year at the court. And even that uh, the decision on, on the school choice in Maine, I was talking to the attorney who argued that, and he said this is so much bigger than people understand because it now means that any government service of any kind that is offered in a state cannot be excluded from religious folks. So even adoption, if you've got adoption services in your state, you, you can no longer say, well, you're a religious adoption agency. We're, we're not going to take you. This opens the door not just for education, but for every single service that's offered anywhere in the nation. If the government offers that service and makes it available to everybody, they can no longer exclude religious folks out of it. So it, it not only changes 
uh, education. It changes social services across the nation, which is a huge thing if we'll walk through the door and fight for this stuff. Yeah, and that fascinates me, David, because I I think there was a lesson to be learned, and we saw it in Virginia last year. Parents found out what their kids were being taught in school, and they just didn't go to school board meetings to complain. Uh, They started to run for office, and I, I think we've been seeing this across the country in various jurisdictions where Christians are saying, wow, uh, I found out what the left has been doing over the last 20 or 30 years, and the way to change this, I've, I've not only got to complain about but what's, what's going on, I have to do something about it, and people start to run for office. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, because there, there's always been an assumption that, yeah, Washington, D.C., those guys are all a bunch of corrupt crooks up there, but not my town. My, my town's pretty good, unless you live in L.A. or some big city, but even rural America, you know, rural America and, and suburban America, we kind of said, yeah, but that, that's the way they are as a national government. That's not where it is where, where we are. And then parents start saying, whoa, 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 what do you mean my kid is transitioning once they get to school? That There's a transitioning closet, and you, you've been telling my kid that, that she's a different sex than what she is, and you're not letting me know? And, and wait a minute, what kind of books do you have in the library there? I thought we were teaching math and science and physics, and now we're teaching queer studies. And so parents are saying, what? And it's even in the rural schools. And, you know, while I know we've got a lot of good public school teachers that are solid Christians, the system is definitely broken. And the system is really bad, and very few teachers can make an effect in the system. And so this is coming from top down to so many states. I mean, even you had this year states like in Minnesota where for the next 10 years they have said we're not going to teach, for the next 10 years we're not going to teach the American Revolution or the Civil War or World War One or World War Two or the Holocaust. That all goes out for the next 10 years. And people go, well, then what are you teaching in history? Well, we're teaching CRT and we're teaching the 1619 Project, but, but that's bad history. Yeah, but it's good philosophy. And so what's happened is this has all come to a school near up, near every one of us. And what we're seeing is a massive, massive change. Now, um, you know, as you mentioned, Fairfax and, and Loudoun County, this thing really blew up where a guy had his daughter raped and he was never told about it. And it was by uh, a, a kid posing transgender or claiming to be transgender. So all this has gone on. And so parents ha- have arisen. Uh, we were engaged this last election with 1,500 churches in um, in Colorado, and in 1,500 churches in Colorado, they took dozens of school boards. They took just countless scores of seats. Uh, matter of fact, the Denver school board was taken by conservatives. Uh, four school boards in Colorado Springs, now in the hands of conservatives, completely flipped in the election. If you go to Dallas, which is not a small city, uh, six weeks ago had the elections in Dallas, and there were there were 15 school board seats open in Dallas, and we got all 15 of them. 51 churches got together and said, you know, we can do better than this. And those 51 churches not only recruited candidates and recruited sound candidates that are very competent, qualified, they also, all 51 churches, put a slide up before the election and said, hey, you know, there's an election here in the city this Tuesday, and don't know who you're voting for, but if you're looking for somebody that's got solid values, here, here's 15 people that are really good. And those 15 folks all won by 60-40 margins, and some of them won by 70-30 margins. Uh, the same, a bunch of churches got together in Houston. Houston, 2.3 million people in Houston, and Christians now have a school board in Houston. They won the seats in Houston. 
uh, the same in Boise, the same in Wichita, and these are liberal cities I'm talking about. These are not the conservative bastions. These are, you know, Dallas and Houston, things like that, Denver. These are liberal cities, and we're seeing this across the nation as not only just citizens, but even churches are becoming active and saying, you know what, this is our community. These are our kids. We have to get involved and do something different. It's been it's been just tremendous to see. Yet we still have some pastors who are reluctant. They say, well, I don't want to deal with politics from the pulpit. But when you talk about abortion, when you talk about the homosexual agenda, those are all spiritual issues that need to be dealt with from the pulpit. And I I'm, I always find it difficult. Why, Pastor, are you having difficulty saying you don't want to talk about politics? These are spiritual issues. Well, I'm going to be real blunt on something, and, and it may get me in trouble, but I've been in trouble before, so I'm going to be real blunt on it. <laughs> um, I, I can ask, I, I speak to, I'm going to say, I don't know, at easy 15,000 pastors a year. And so I'll do dozens and dozens of pastors' conferences. Now, I'll often say, hey, pastors, what what are, as you look back over the last 30 years, what are some of the real things that have attacked our families and attacked our culture? What what are the things that we've seen, oh, the transgender movement, the, the LGBTQ plus movement, the movement of secularism, the movement, and they'll, they'll go through all these things that have attacked our families and undermined them. I said, okay, um, I want you to show me the sermons you've preached on all the topics you ju- you just mentioned, because Jesus says that there's a difference between a shepherd and a hireling. A shepherd sees the danger coming at the flock and throws himself in front of the flock and confronts the danger. A hireling sees the danger and turns and doesn't confront it. So I want you to show me where you've confronted secularism or or television or entertainment or or movies or Disney. or Show me where you've confronted that, because that's what a shepherd does. A hireling ignores those things and doesn't want to get involved. And, and I think we've had way too many hirelings. If you judge a tree by its fruits, as Jesus told us to do, there's a real shortage of that. And, and working with George Barna, we find that only 2.8% of America's pastors will confront those kind of issues. Only 2.8%. Now, we have 384,000 churches and senior pastors in America, and the result of that has been what we saw just in the last couple of days. Uh, last couple of days, the new polling is out that shows that only 20% of Americans believe the Word of God is literally the Word of God, that is actually true. We have a higher percentage who do not believe the Word of God is true than we have that believe is true. And this year, the American Bible Society came out with this annual State of the Bible report and shows that 26 million Americans stopped reading the Bible last year. So I, I kind of look at it, and using some COVID analogy, you know, a vaccination is something where you inject a little bit of something into someone that gives them an immunity against that. So whether it's smallpox or measles or whatever, COVID, you inject a little bit of the disease into that person that gives them immunity. I think we've churches have for a long time injected just a little bit of religion into people, which makes them immune to true religion, and they're not getting infected with really the Bible and biblical views because we're just kind of religious on the surface. And 2.8% of pastors actually address what's going in the culture. And so I think this is an opportunity. I think we're seeing it that I think the church is starting to awaken, but we have really let this thing slide. I never thought I would see so many churches get involved in local areas and communities. But now they're seeing that, you know, if I'm going to be a shepherd, I've got to confront the danger. And right now that's in my local schools, and I've got to change that. 
And so those results I was giving you are all across the nation. We're seeing them in Jersey. We're seeing them in Virginia. We're seeing them in Florida. I go state after state. It's just phenomenal to see local church pastors getting involved in local issues and churches and Christians starting to be leaders again. It's really good. And we shouldn't be surprised then when George Barna does research on this and we, we, we get it consistently that our young people brought up in our churches are wandering away from the faith. Is it because these kinds of issues are not being dealt with the way they should be from the pulpit? You know, great question. And I can go back and answer some of that with polling. And just to confirm what you said, um, if you go with Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, you got the baby boomers and Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z. It's interesting that with Gen X, uh, 1.6% of the Gen X generation, and, and that's going to be those that are over 40 kind of stuff, those in 40s, 50s, 60s, only 1.6% of them identify as LGBTQ. When you come to the Gen Y generation, which is millennials, which is maybe 42 down to 21 or so, that generation, 30% identifies LGBTQ. And when you come down to the Gen Z generation, which is the, the kids now up, up to maybe 19, 20, 21, it's 39% that identifies LGBTQ. So you've seen this tremendous increase in issues like that. Uh, if you go back to Gen X, 89% of Gen X people believe in God. When you come to uh, millennials, it's only 33% that believe in God. So we're seeing this this massive, massive shift in the culture. And it's interesting that if you go back to the year 2000, 85% of Americans professed to be Christians in the year 2000. In the year 2020, 20 years later, only 65% of Americans professed to be Christian. Now, that's a 20-point drop in 20 years. And polling those who left church, no longer go to church, say, I'm out of religion, polling them and saying, why did you leave? Two out of three say, because church has no relevancy for what I face in daily life. It, this, this is just something old, and you know, it, it's a devotional here or there, and makes me feel good about something, but it doesn't help me with what I face in daily life, at school, at work, and politics, and anything else. And that lack of relevancy is what's identified, and, and again, with 2.8% of the pastors addressing things in the culture, that's what's... That's what many people are saying, this this doesn't feed me at all. And if I'm going to have an hour to waste on Sunday morning, I'd rather watch a football game than I would go to church because I'm getting nothing out of it. And so that's where the church is going to have to refocus itself, and that means our seminaries are going to have to start teaching differently. We're going to have to get back to reading the Bible. Um, another Barnett poll came out this year where that about 67% of pastors do not have a biblical worldview. So the people who are leading these things really don't even know how the Bible applies to so many aspects of life. And when we get back to that point, we're going to see the genuine revival. Now, I think the door is open for revival. I think we're starting to see it. I think the fact that we're seeing it at local school boards and, and areas like that, I think this is all super good news for America. But don't think that a revival is without work. I mean, look at what, what Charles Finney had to do in a revival. Look at what, what Phil had to do in a revival. That is the hardest work of their life, and it killed them to do what they did, but it changed the nation. So revivals are not easy and fun. There's a lot of hard work there, but that is what will change the nation. All right, David Barton, Wall Builders, what I hear from you, we can celebrate these court decisions, but it's also time to get busy. Great to talk to you, sir. David Barton, Wall Builders. As my grandfather used to say, a whole lot to chew on right there. 
like to hear from you, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840, for the verdict from David Barton. we got to get busy, folks. Supreme Court decisions are great. But now, what do we do with that? 888-589-8840. We'll have a listen to you when we come back here on Sandy Rios in the Morning on a Wednesday. There are some horrendous things that have been taking place. Bishop E.W. Jackson. But, but, the good news is that God is still on the throne. Jesus is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Tune in to The Awakening, weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio. He said in the world you would have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And that's the way we've got to approach all this stuff. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way, the Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When their mom passed, the Landau brothers of New Jersey had a garage sale to clear out their mom's house. But they decided to keep a few things, including mom's old creepy painting of a woman passed out in a chair and two men trying to revive her. Fast forward to their estate auction, and the brothers found themselves fielding bids from France and Germany for the painting. Turns out it was a long-lost Rembrandt that ultimately sold for $1.1 million. A trained eye spots value where others don't. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association. Hello? Hey, stranger. Oh, hi. Thank goodness it's you. I was afraid to answer the phone. Why? What's up? The credit card companies are after me. They want me to make payments and the calls never stop. Ouch. Been there before, but I got help from Trinity Debt Management. Trinity? Yeah. I called and right away, Trinity contacted my creditors and got my interest rates cut in half. They ended all the late fees and over-limit charges, and they stopped those annoying phone calls. Bet that was a relief. Yep. Then they put me on a plan that consolidated my bills into one easy monthly payment. That way, I paid off my debt fast while saving thousands. Nice. Trinity even showed me how to plan and meet a monthly budget. So now I'm debt-free for keeps. Wow. Do you still have their number? Sure. Here. Write this down and call 1-800-788-1813. Can you repeat that? 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Heartbreaking video from inside Uvalde Elementary School documenting the protracted failure of police to stop the slaughter underway there is prompting a fresh disbelief and fury at the officers involved. What on earth were they thinking? 
After weeks of conflicting official descriptions of what went down, this video further undermines public confidence in law enforcement, and those most critical of its conduct, especially towards minorities, are emboldened to renew and generalize their condemnations and efforts to demean and, if possible, defund the police. Given all that, it seems likely what the Uvalde cops were thinking was, if they took unauthorized initiative to stop the shooter, their risk-averse chain of command would throw them to the wolves. It's not an excuse, just a possible explanation, and one that is surely operating elsewhere at a time when we need robust policing more than ever. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. And welcome back. Fred sitting in for Sandy today. President Joe Biden's plane about to, if it hasn't already, about to touch down in Tel Aviv. Uh, his uh, start of a trip both to Israel and Saudi Arabia. Uh, he's touching down with the uh, latest news breaking here in America that now inflation spikes more than expected, hits a new 40-year high. I believe the figure that I saw earlier this morning, 8.8% in the last four weeks. Is it any wonder why his numbers are so low? He's kind of getting a little sensitive about his polling numbers. Uh, before he left late last night, he, there was a party of some type at the at the White House yesterday. And, and so reporters were asking him about a New York Times poll which said 64% of Democrats, 64% of Democrats don't want him to run again in 2024. They want him to bow out. Well, a reporter asked him about that, and he was not happy yesterday at the White House. Cut number six. Mr. President, what's your message to Democrats who don't want you to run again? They want me to run. Two-thirds say they Read don't. The poll. Read the polls, Jack. You guys are all the same. That poll showed that 92% of Democrats, if I ran, would vote for me. A majority of Democrats say they don't want you to run again in no, 2024. 92% said if I did, they'd vote for me. Yeah, read the polls, Jack. <laughs> now, of course, we're on radio, but I, I saw the, uh, the video of this. His face, he was angry. But he refused to respond to the New York Times poll, which said 64% don't want you to run, Mr. President. But he was quoting a poll saying, if I run, then 92% would vote for me. Well, of course. I mean, he's, if he's at the top of the ticket uh, in 2024, Democrats, loyal Democrats are going to vote for him. You know, it's as the old saying goes. Uh, I mean, if Mickey Mouse was on, on top of the, uh, the Democrat ticket, Democrats, loyal Democrats would vote for him. But Biden is Biden is not doing well these days in the polls for obvious reasons, economic reasons. Uh, the country is not happy with the way things are going. And that includes now uh, even the majority of Democrats. So uh, that's the verdict. As I say, he's in Israel going on to Saudi Arabia. That should be very interesting because he's going hat in hand trying to get the Saudis to uh, give us some more oil. As some people have said, you know what, Mr. President, if you want more oil and gas, uh, you maybe should take a trip to Texas and tell oil producers in this country, hey, go ahead. Uh, your, your future is secure. Go ahead and start digging more oil and gas out of the ground. As I've been told, we've got about 300 years worth of fossil fuels in the ground that we could use right now. While, you know, develop other forms of energy, no problem with that. But in the meantime... 
don't make Americans suffer because of your policies on fossil fuels. All right, 888-589-8840 is the number to call. We got a lot of calls lined up here. A few minutes left of the program. Let's go to it. First to Louisiana, and we say good morning to Carlos. Carlos, go ahead. Yes, sir. I, I got a question. I got two questions, actually three. But uh, how in the world does Planned Parenthood get two and three hundred million dollars to kill babies every year? And then on top of that, how in the world does Biden come up with giving millions of dollars away, hundreds of millions of dollars away? to go around the world teaching atheism. Uh, And then $500 million for the Palestinian terrorist organization? Who's authorizing this? Well, uh, Carlos, three good questions, and there's a very simple answer to that. Uh, People vote Democrat. Democrats get into office. They have the power to decide where taxpayers' money is going to go, and they keep deciding Planned Parenthood, as you mentioned, uh, funding atheism around the world. Um, yeah, uh, to the Palestinians, who are a clear and present danger to the nation of Israel, who we ought to be more loyal to than any other country in the world. Uh, and by the way, Biden, uh, his visit to Israel will uh, also include a meeting with Mahmoud Abbas, the Palestinian leader. And we know what's going on. The Israeli people face dangers every day from terrorists, Palestinian terrorists in the West Bank, and, of course, Hamas terrorists uh, in Gaza. Uh, But you know what? Uh, As my boss says, Tim says, uh, there are consequences to elections, folks. So uh, there's a way to cure that. You put different people in office. Simple as that. All right. Sherry in Illinois. Go ahead, Sherry. I just wanted to share some ways that people can get involved because all of us are frustrated. One is remember, pray, vote, educate yourself, and inform other people. Ways to do that include, there are, in my state, Illinois, there are, in my county especially, breakfast clubs or monthly or weekly meetings that people have gotten together. I'm an elected precinct committee person, praise God for that, which means I can vote for central committee members. I don't really want to do all that, but you know what? We are the people of this country. We are the we the people. We have to be involved. So inquire to elected officials already. Who? How can I help you? Senator, state senator, you know, what, whatever position it is, volunteer for your central committee to help maybe staff the office for a while. Become an elected official. Definitely attend your village meetings, excuse me, become a poll watcher or an election judge. There are lots of ways to get involved, but it's not just going to land on your lap, probably. So you need to inquire and become involved. Make yourself involved and and be active. It's not normal. We like to have it on cruise control, but that's how we've gotten where we are. Yeah, I agree with you, Sherry. And uh, what you're saying is really echoing what uh, our guest, David Barton of Wall Builders, was telling us just a few moments ago. And it is happening. Uh, and it's very encouraging in various spots, and he outlined uh, in Colorado, in Texas, and uh, Wichita, Kansas, other places where people are running for school board, people are running for city council, county council, and other offices. Uh, I'm excited about uh, the the victory for uh, the uh, young Hispanic lady in southern Texas, who's now a member of Congress. Now, of course, uh, she'll face election again in November, uh, but every chance she gets, she talks about, you know, 
uh, the Hispanic community. What we what we run on is love of God and love of country, and uh, and that's why the Hispanic community as a as a whole uh, are starting to move towards the Republican Party because they say what the Democrats stand for does not reflect the overall standards of their community, what they strive for. So very encouraging. But as David Barton said, we can celebrate these court decisions, uh, but now we have to go to work and be involved. And involvement can be as much as going to school board meetings and city council meetings and library board meetings, uh, but also, if the Lord leads you, to run for office. And uh, a lot of Christians now are waking up Uh, One of the benefits, as many people have said from the pandemic, is that parents found out what their kids were being taught in school, and that was a wake-up call, and that's why we saw what happened in Virginia last November, which could be repeated to a certain extent nationally uh, this fall. Again, if people get involved, and sometimes the involvement, as you probably often have heard, is simply voting. There are tens of thousands, tens of thousands, some people even say millions, of those who identify as Christians do not bother to vote. They complain, but they don't bother to vote. That's where it all begins. All right, uh, South Carolina, we say good morning to Lee. Lee, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I just want to, to amen um, what Sherry said. Um, absolutely. The predicament that we're in right now is because um, those who are non-believers and actually those who are against the cause of Christ are the ones who are in charge. And um, that's where we're at. But that's not why I called. Um, I called because I caught the tail end of um, what David Barton said, and I agree with him um, wholeheartedly, that it's going to take a lot of work. And the work for revival is not our work, though. The work of revival is the Lord's. Uh, The Bible says salvation is of the Lord. Um, The Bible also says that the best that I can possibly do is filthy rags. So I just need to be available. I need to be ready. I need to be in my word and ready to be used by God. Amen. In my in my weakness, He will be glorified. Amen. Amen. That's good, Lee. Uh, have a good day there in South Carolina. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Um, you know there are repercussions. Talking about consequences of elections and the people who get elected. Uh, what they do in public policy has a tremendous impact. And we know in this country, Democrats, Democrat-run cities, and I'll use the example of Minneapolis because this is the story we want to go out on this morning. There's a very disturbing video that is out there this morning. And uh, it's from St. Paul, Twin Cities, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Some police officers... Um, went to a community in St. Paul to deliver a warrant. It was in connection or a search warrant in connection with a murder investigation. Two police officers, um, I'm not sure if both of them were black, at least one of them was. And the video, if you haven't seen this yet, I'm not sure if YouTube has it. Fox, I think, has been running it. The video is of... A little boy who approaches these police officers, and I would say he's no more than three or four years old, and he starts cursing 
and swearing at the police officers. And then because he's a little boy, the police officer's a big guy, he starts hitting and striking the police officer. Good gracious. Where did he learn this? Is it possible that he learned that behavior because of the hatred of police officers that's being promoted in this country? Mostly in Democrat-run cities. This morning, uh, Kendall Qualls, who is run for governor, he's a Republican, who's run for governor in Minnesota, he was asked to comment on this. Well, what is behind this? Cut number seven. Unfortunately, Steve, this is not an anomaly. This has been going on in our black communities now across the country for decades. And in fact, what I call it, these are the great-grandchildren of the LBJ welfare program. And it uh, should be a wake-up call for all of us, especially in the black community. We need to get back to the basics. We didn't used to live like this. We didn't used to raise our children like this. And this is from years of listening and following the progressive leadership on the left, putting these programs of incentivizing women to have children out of marriage. And it's been going on far too long. It's time to get back to the basics. You know, there's a biblical principle that, uh, without alluding to the Bible specifically, you know, we reap what we sow. That goes for individuals, and it goes for countries. But going back to what our interview with David Barton a few moments ago, and if you didn't hear it, uh, go to our podcast, which Adam should be posted in the next couple of hours. Uh, Have a listen uh, for that interview, is that we have to, we're aware of where left-wing policies have been taking and are taking this country. Now it's up to us to do something about it. And that goes beyond being concerned or angry. It's about being active, being involved, or otherwise things are going to continue to deteriorate. But God is giving us an opportunity. Every day he gives us a new day. And a new day represents an opportunity to live for him, to be salt and light in whatever direction the Spirit leads you to do that. But it's time to get involved in whatever extent, whatever direction the Lord would have you involved. All right. Been good to be with you this morning. As I say, lots to chew on out there, folks. Stay tuned for much more great programming here on American Family Radio. It is our blessing to keep you informed each day. And we have a program just filled with that. See you again real soon here on Sandy Rios in the Morning. Bye for now. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.